Okay. All right, so um, for some reason the music wasn't playing. Uh, do we have sound in the studio now? I sure hope we do. Okay, yeah, it shows that we're streaming. So we'll just uh, start streaming w without the introductory music, also Sprach Sarasustra. So uh, we're living in times where the deception is so grand, so grandiose, so pervasive, that uh, if you are, unless you're living under a rock, <laughs> uh, propaganda, uh, you, you might as well have loudspeakers uh, trained outside your house, blaring into your house, Telling you to get vaccinated, Dan. Exactly. They're really pushing that vaccine, aren't they? Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, uh, you know, Mama told us there would be days like this. <laughs> and so did the book of Revelation. <clears throat> All right, folks, this is uh, Genesis to Revelation. Uh, we're going to pick it up with Chapter 6. We got a, a brief start in Chapter 6 last week. But we want to point out that one of the major issues in Genesis chapter 6 is amalgamation or genetic engineering, i.e. race mixing, etc., etc. And so uh, we're going to start with an article uh, Dan's going to read for us and uh, you know, to, to set us up here for today's show. Take it over, Dan. Okay. <clears throat> the name of this article is entitled Bioengineering and Alien Hybrids in the Bible. Yup, and more. <laughs> The Sounds Nile grotesque. Elohim, <laughs> it does. Right? Yeah. Okay. The Elohim saw the daughters of Adam, that they were fit extensions. Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, interlinear Hebrew Bible. In the study of the Old Testament book of Genesis, beings of great stature called giants appear, which some scholars believe came into existence after powerful angels known as watchers descended to earth and used women or their biological matter, to construct bodies of flesh, which they used to extend themselves into the material world. The apocryphal books of Enoch, 2nd Esdras, Genesis Apocryphon, and Jasher support the Genesis story, adding that the sin of the angels grew to include genetic modification of animals as well as humans. Okay, so let me uh, comment right here. Now, the, the, the book of Genesis <clears throat> says... That they descended, they, they materialized, and then begat children uh, by taking them, quote-unquote, as wives. Okay? So, uh, it sounds to me like uh, these creatures that came out of, either they materialized out of the nether sphere, or they, they came out of, well, uh, the one story says uh, Mount, uh, not Moriah, what was the mountain? Hermon, Mount Hermon, that they descended upon Mount Hermon. And then came down and began to mate with Adamic women. It's very clear it's Adamic women. So uh, these uh, Elohim they have would be qualified as Elohim, the uh, angels of the, the other dimension that materialized in a in a non-sexual manner, so that they could rape women. That's basically what the the story tells us. So. Uh, I'm not sure what they're trying to say here. To construct bodies of flesh through the women? No, I don't think so. They, were, they already had bodies of flesh, and they used those bodies of flesh to rape the women. Okay, so I would disagree with you know this characterization. Back to you. 
The book of Jasher, mentioned in the Bible in Joshua chapter 10, verse 13, and 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18, says, After the fallen angels went into the daughters of men, the sons of men taught the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order to provoke the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 18. And we know that uh, we're not supposed to mix anything. Actually, That's right. The Bible tells us about, that means... Clothing, yeah. I mean cloth, it means animals, yeah. it means people, it means everything. Yeah, uh, seed, such as wheat seed. and barley. We're not yep. supposed to mix those either. Okay. Yet, what do we have today? We mixed G- everything. GMO food, right? Mount yep. Satan. Okay. That, that's what we, yeah, Jesus said, it shall be as in the days of Noah. Here we are. Back to you. Here we are. Yeah. This clear reference to the Genesis Chapter 6 record illustrates that animals were included in whatever cross-species experiments were being conducted, and that this activity resulted in judgment from God. The book of Enoch also supports this record, saying that after the fallen angels merged their DNA with women, they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish. Mm, And they're doing that again today, right? Incredibly... They're using, oh, how should I put this, uh, nanotechnology, uh, non, non-biological matter to substitute for our biological DNA, right? That's what they're doing. And so now they're creating a transhuman agenda, well, the Borgs, right? Remember Star Trek and the Borgs? And uh, Captain Picard fought like hell to be- avoid becoming a Borg, right? <laughs> but... People are volunteering for this now. Either that or they're being bribed, right? <laughs> Some combination of both. So it's far worse than just mixing biological material. They are, they are synthesizing RNA and DNA and splicing it into our DNA. They have the ability to do this and they have every intention of doing it. Back to you. Just like you said, <clears throat> it's just like in the days of Noah. Yep. Yep, and, and there's worse. <laughs> no, new thing, no new thing under the sun. We're uh-huh. told that in Ecclesiastes. Right, yeah. We wish there was something new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same old deception. All right. The Old Testament contains associated reference to genetic mutations, which developed among humans following this activity, including unusual size, physical strength, six fingers, six toes, animal appetite for blood, and even lion-like features among men. Second Samuel chapter 21, verse 20, and chapter 23, verse 20. Wow. I didn't realize that was in there. Okay. What if, by corrupting the species barrier in which each creature was to recreate after its own kind, watchers had successfully mingled human-animal DNA and combined the hereditary traits of different species into a single new mutation? An entire new being, Nephilim, might have suddenly possessed the combined intelligence and instincts, seeing, hearing, smelling, reacting to the environment of several life forms and in ways unfamiliar to creation. Will modern biotechnology resurrect Nephilim? Uh, I think we're seeing that happen. I think we're seeing it happen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, please continue. Today, molecular biologists classify the functions of genes within narrative species but are unsure in many cases how a gene's coding might react from one species to another. Well, let's just common- find out. You know, let's experiment yeah. and we'll find out. You know, maybe we'll get a, a, a liger, right? Uh, we'll combine two different species and, and see what we get. 
you know, hopefully it won't kill us, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Or everybody, yeah. In recombinant DNA technology, a transgenic organism is created when the genetic structure of one species is altered by the transfer of a gene or genes from another. This could change not only the genetic structure of the modified animal and its offspring, but its evolutionary development, sensory modalities, disease propensity, personality and behavior traits, among other things. Such transgenic tinkering already exists in many parts of the world, including the United States, Britain, and Australia, where animal eggs are being used to create hybrid human embryos from which stem cell lines can be produced for medical research. Ah, slaves! Mm, experimental humanoids. Yeah, I see. I get it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it? that's where we're heading. Yeah. A team at Newcastle and Durham Universities in the UK recently announced plans to create hybrid rabbit and human embryos, as well as other chimera embryos mixing human and cow genes. I wonder if these hybrids will compete in the Olympic Games. <laughs> More alarmingly, the same researchers have already managed to reanimate tissue oh, no. from, from dead human cells in another breakthrough, which was heralded as a way of overcoming ethical dilemmas over using living embryos for medical research. Oh, okay, so let's re revive dead tissue. That way we have no ethical concerns anymore. Is this, how people, is this how people actually think? Apparently, Apparently. So. Yeah. yeah. In the United States, similar studies led Irv Weissman. Well, that sounds a little bit uh, yeah, Jewish, doesn't par it? Parasitic. <laughs> parasitic <laughs> species, right? Director yeah. of Stanford University's Institute of Cancer, Stem Cell Biology, and Medicine in California to create mice with partly human brains causing some ethicists to raise the issue of humanized animals in the future that could become self-aware as a result of genetic modification. Even the president of the United States, George W. Bush, in his January the 31st, 2006 State of the Union address, called for legislation to prohibit creating human-animal hybrids and buying, selling, or patenting human embryos. Okay, so this is about 15 years ago. Do you think it's gotten any worse or more sophisticated? Oh, absolutely. Then? Yeah, folks, this is a biological apocalypse. And all those zombie movies <laughs> that you've seen, those are the people who escaped from these laboratories. That's who those people are. So now one r real quick word on uh, giants and you know how in the world could these giants have possibly formed uh, there's um, this is from oh I forget the name of the book oh yeah the Nephilim story by David Fry and he says the post-flood Nephilim were tribes of people having a disease of the pituitary gland called acromegaly a-c-r-o-m-e-g-a-l-y acromegaly this disease causes excessive growth of the body in two ways. If the pituitary gland intermittently produces growth hormones, the bones thicken. But if the pituitary steadily produces the hormone without turning off, bones continue to lengthen. Both conditions are called gigantism. 
So either they spread out and get you know bulky and wider, or they get taller. And it's pretty obvious that we have uh, you know, combinations of the two. And some of them, you know, the the hormone didn't affect them at all, and they stayed short. Okay, so we have stories of little people all over the world as well. But uh, they're not as, uh, how should I put it, uh, newsworthy <laughs> as, as the giants. And the giants are really fearsome and noteworthy, okay? So uh, early archaeologists, he says, mistook this disease for their theory of evolution and dubbed it Neanderthal man. So he's saying, no, these are the hybrids <laughs> that are left over from Genesis chapter 6. Two caves in Israel have displayed the earliest dated Neanderthals. Yeah, we, I think uh, many of those are Neanderthals. And they had a more modern appearance. Okay, folks? Uh, any doubt that this Genesis story is true? It's absolutely true, folks. No doubt about it. All right, let's get into Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1, Dan. Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth... And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Okay, so a lot of words here to take into consideration. <clears throat> men, in verse 1, is Adam. Okay? It's only Adamic women that they sought out. White Why? Women. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. Verse 3. And Yahweh said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Okay, again, this is Adam. He's only talking about white people exclusively. The other races are not really taken into consideration here. Because why? Because Yahweh wants to preserve a remnant of the seed of Adam, Seth, Enoch, etc. That's his concern here in Genesis chapter 6. And that's why we're talking about uh, a territory. Okay. Also, the, the 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 daughters of Adam that they were fair, Tob, okay, and that means white, <laughs> right? That they had white skin. That's what the fair means here. David was ruddy and fair. Okay, so that's what we're talking about here. This is talking about skin color. Back to you. Verse four. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Okay, so it's the the mighty men, the giants, they're the ones who are the most renowned, but that doesn't mean there weren't other types of, uh, you know, neph Nephilim, you know, little people, there's all kinds of evidence that there's little people, and some of them uh, normal height, Okay. But uh, you, you could tell, I mean, if there's a hybrid that, that comes along that uh, is normal size, you could probably tell by facial features alone if that's a hybrid or not, you know, because it usually will have some, uh, some characteristics that aren't normal to the existing species, okay? You could tell if something's been hybridized or not. Back to you. Interesting word, this renown. It can also mean famous. Right. So we have a lot of, uh, I think when I think of that, I think of some of these uh, 
famous people of the world today, like these movie stars who have such influence on people. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> movie Nephilim. <laughs> movie Nephilim. Yeah. There we go. All There's right. Five. Hollywood Nephilim. Now exactly. we're now we're getting close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Again, it's still Adam. We're still talking about Adamites here. And it repented Yahweh that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. Okay, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. Okay, so earth is Adama here, soil, country, ground, husband, land. There's no indication that the word means planet. Okay, so we're talking about territory. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the entire planet. So wherever the Adamites were at this point in time, and there weren't many of them. Okay, again, if we pay attention to the meanings of the words, we're only talking about Adamites here. And uh, what, there are ten generations from Seth down to Noah? How many could there have been? It couldn't have been that many, okay? Maybe, oh, let's, let's, let's say a million, okay? Would they have gone all over the planet and started settlements? Did they have ships? No, there weren't any ships before Noah's Ark, right? So they had to be in that territory. And that's what we're talking about. It's a very, really, a small territory, because the uh, the descendants of Adam and Eve, uh, you know, maybe numbered in the thousands. You know, if you actually list the various how, how many generations, you know, they did live a thousand years each for a long time. Okay, but uh, you know, certainly not millions. And there's no indication that they traveled to Australia or the Americas uh, or Africa, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're talking about territory here we're not talking about planet folks please continue verse 9 <clears throat> these are the generations of noah noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and noah walked with god and noah begat three sons shem ham and japheth the earth also was corrupt before god and the earth was filled with violence and god looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his ways upon the earth and God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Okay, so this word corrupt, what does that mean? Does it simply mean evil? Okay, well here, the word is shakath, to decay, ruin, literally or figuratively, cast off, corrupt, to destroy, mar, perish, spoil, waste. None of these words have anything to do with morality, folks. We're talking about the corruption of the various species that the article we read from was talking about. We're talking about amalgamation, hybridization. That's what was going on, folks. Back to you. And the reason Noah found grace is because he was perfect in, his, in the words generations, which means posterity. Yeah, he, he hadn't been mixed. His, he wasn't mixed with the, uh, the fallen angels. That's correct. But no, that's not important. <laughs> 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 yeah, perfect is tamim. 
that is whole, unspotted, undefiled, okay, without blemish. They try to instill a moral definition here, but it's really obvious that Toledah is, uh, in this case, oh, I'm sorry, here it's Dore. There's two different words here, sorry. Genesis 6, 9, first instance is Toledah, descent, that is family, history, generation. So this is genetics. We're talking about the genetics of the family of Noah, and these are are perfect. And in generations, again, a perfect Tamim, entire, again, it means without spot, undefiled, okay? And even here, generations, there's not necessarily any moral meaning to any of this stuff. It's talking about the pure lines of descent being preserved by Yahweh. That's what all these words are talking about. Back to you. Verse 14, God speaking to Noah. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion <clears throat> which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in the cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Okay, and, so the old-fashioned cubit, uh, typically, you know, here it actually tells us here, Properly, a mother that is unit of measure or the forearm below the elbow. So, a cubit is based on the measurement from the tip of the finger to the elbow, approximately 18 inches. Okay? So, we have a really good idea how long this uh, arc was. And... Uh, what are the numbers here? Does it give it how many uh, cubits? Where did you just? Oh, okay, three hundred cubits. So three hundred cubits times. Uh, let's just round it off to two feet. Six hundred feet, at the most. And how many animals can you fit on a ship a three decker? That's only six hundred feet long. And however many feet wide. Not too many, folks. And then you have to consider how much food they required to survive this uh, six-month journey. And, uh, folks, there's no way you can fit millions of species on a a vessel like this. Absolutely no way. Plus, there's only eight Adamites to tend all of these animals. They would have had their hands full just preserving a colony of farm animals. They would have had, had their hands full with that. Back to you. <clears throat> Verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. That's a key phrase right there. Yep. Who is the only person that was given the breath of life? It was Adam. Yeah, So this right. would be the descendants of I, Adam yeah. who had that Gen- breath of life. Yeah, Genesis 2-7. Yahweh. Right. Mm-hmm. From under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee, 
They shall be male and female. Okay, obviously to propagate the species, okay? So uh, we're talking about the territory. <clears throat> the earth in the previous um, uh, sentence was Eretz, and Eretz has the same basic idea as Adama. Adama simply means red dirt, okay? Where Eretz, again, means territory. Uh, let me see if there's any indication of um, of planet here for Eretz. Okay, uh, this is Adama again. I lost the, uh, here's Earth. Eretz, okay. An unused root probably meaning to be firm. The Earth at large or partitively a land. Country, Earth, meaning dirt. <laughs> Field, ground, land, nations, wilderness, world. Okay, so the very last entry here is world. I assume they mean by which they mean planet. But even there, world, what, what's a world? Okay, it's the world around you. The, the area that you occupy. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean the whole planet. And of course, when Cain was kicked out of the uh, earth, that was called the Garden of Eden, he, uh, you know, he didn't come off the planet. So uh, you just have to use a little common sense here, folks. Don't exaggerate. Theologians are prone to exaggerate as much as politicians. Back to you. <clears throat> Verse 20. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he, in yeah. chapter 6. Okay, so Brother Ebert says in the chat room, uh, the movie Noah showed that, they showed, <laughs> showed that they put the animals into a sleep with certain herbs. Also, the ark was supposedly around the size of the football field. Well, 300 yards is 600 feet. Okay? So, that's really a small boat, folks. <laughs> How many animals can you possibly oh, put in a state of hibernation, although the Bible doesn't say anything about hibernation, but realistically, how many elephants, how many rhinoceroses, how many alligators, etc., uh, etc.? Et you know, I mean, there's so many thousands of species of animal, you know, land, air-breathing animals, that uh, it would be impossible to put all those six of each, let alone two of each, uh, you know, on this on this vehicle, it's just ridiculous. The, the idea is ridiculous. So all those drawings you see of Noah's Ark with uh, elephants and giraffes and lions and tigers and all, forget it. There weren't <laughs> any animals like that. Okay, there may have been horses and cattle and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he says uh, the. The movie depicted Noah as a crazed murderer. Well, I guess they had to eat, right? <laughs> How else could they survive? It just shows you the garbage. Not only is medicine today garbage, so is history garbage from both sides, both from the evolutionists and from the six-day creationists. This, this is what we're having to deal with, folks. Back to you. I didn't even watch that movie, Noah, because I knew it would be some Hollywood Bunch of BS. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, creation is BS. Yeah. <laughs> Six-day creation is BS, yeah, there we go. Okay, Genesis chapter 7. 
Chapter 7, And Yahweh said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee hath I seen righteous before me in this generation. Okay, very, very important discussion here. Thou and all thy house. Okay. Baeth. Family. Court. Daughter. Dungeon? <laughs> it says dungeon. <laughs> uh, okay. Hangings. Home. House. Palace. Steward. Temple. In other words... Your house, uh, the things that you normally have, uh, live with day to day. Not anybody else. You know, well, he was a farmer, right? So we would have had some cattle. He would have had some sheep, some goats, etc. That's what went aboard the ark. Nothing else. Okay, back to you. Verse 2. <clears throat> of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and a beast that are not cleaned by two, the male and his female. Okay, so his household, his farmstead, and clean beasts and unclean beasts. These are two categories of edible and non-edible, legally. Legally edible and not legally edible. Okay, we know people can eat just about anything. But uh, Noah is being instructed to keep and separate the clean from the unclean. And, and then and breed those. And that can be bred on the ark. Okay? So that uh, he could be doing his farming if he gathered enough food on the ark for these animals. Could actually, you know, keep a farmstead going. All right? Back, back to you. Verse 3. The fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Okay. The, the territory. Again, face, let me see what face is here. Panim, okay. Yeah, this this is the uh, collective word for territory. The, that's the best way. The, the, the part of the earth that you see with your own eyes, you can scan the territory. You turn around and scan the whole area. That does not, you can't see the planet, <laughs> the whole planet from, from where you're at. Okay, so we're talking about the known territory. Back to you. Verse 4, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Yeah, those that were left behind and not on the ground. Remember, left behind? <laughs> Remember that movie, Left Behind? That uh, they, they were saying, whoever's left behind gets killed. Okay. So that's, that's what happened to them, the people who were left behind. That's what happened in Noah's day. So, uh, but they, they, I'm trying to remember how the uh, rapture theory goes. That, uh, yeah, you want to be raptured and everybody else is left behind. So uh, they think they're going to be raptured off the face of the earth. But Noah and his family were not raptured off to the face of the earth. They were the only ones who left behind, were left behind to live. Everybody, everybody else was killed. So, so the, the analogy that they like to use doesn't work. Back to you. I don't know how anyone can believe that rapture. Yeah, yeah, it right. just makes no sense to me. It's not biblical at all. It, it isn't, but it sounds so good. <laughs> right? it's, uh, please, let, let us be raptured. Get us. Well, I think we're at the point where people want to be raptured off this crazy planet, don't they? But it ain't going to happen. No, 
No, not that way. Yeah. No, we have to wait because the kingdom is coming down to the earth, not vice versa. And uh, we have to ride out the storm, just like yeah, Noah did. I mean, did. We, we, we've got to work for it. Yep. We can't just be given the easy ride. Yeah. Got work to do. <clears throat> Chapter, I mean, uh, verse 5. And Noah did according unto all that Yahweh commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now remember, they were perfect in their toledah. They were, you know, uh, unmixed, uh, you know, unmixed, un, uh, what do you call it, unhybridized. That's the word I want. Pick. Uh, verse 8, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creeps upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into his ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Okay, so now we're saying there's two sources of water, one from under the earth, the aquifer water, okay, and uh, also the rain. So there's two sources of water, and as we understand, it's a 600-foot arc, probably in the shape of a rectangle or a near rectangle, maybe with rounded corners. Hard to say because everything suggests. Now, gopher wood, there's uh, that word gopher is uh, called from an unused root, meaning they really don't know what it means. Uh, So some kind of wood, that's all they're really telling us. But uh, the research I've done suggests it was a reed boat and the reeds were covered over with pitch. Okay, back to you. Verse 12, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the same self day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, and every bird of every sort. Okay, so again, we're talking... uh, the you know, various species which would have been around the territory of Noah's household. He didn't have to very, go very far to collect these animals. Back to you. Verse 15, And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And Yahweh shut him in. And the flood was upon, and the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Okay, so it's, just high high hills. It doesn't say mountains. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see here, uh, Gaboa, Gaboa, elevated, okay, high, it doesn't say mountains, it just says high hills, back to you. Verse 20, 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Okay, here it and says mountains, this is higher, a mountain or a range of hills. Now, if we're talking about the uh, mountains in eastern Turkey, they were pretty high up. But there's no indication, because uh, 
I, I'm, uh, I think that Ron Wyatt did discover the correct arc. It was on the uh, lower levels of the hills of uh, uh, eastern Turkey. And uh, there were definitely Mount Ararat is way higher than the location of that arc. So it didn't cover Ararat. It didn't cover Everest. And uh, it was just a, rel- a relatively severe flood in that territory, but not outside this territory because we have the cultural legends from all over the world, from every living you know, uh, culture in, in the Americas, in China, in Africa, etc. They all have flood stories, but none as bad as this story here with Noah. Back to you. Verse 21, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. Okay, so we're talking about land animals, land beasts, cattle, etc., etc. So, but that includes birds because they breathe air too. Okay, so that's all we're talking about is these local animals that Noah would have easily been able to gather together. He, concentrating mainly on the farm animals because he's got to reestablish his homestead once the ark settles on to, back onto the earth. Okay, back to you. Verse 23, and every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Okay. So that's what? Five months, five months. Okay. So, uh, a lot of stuff would have drowned <laughs> in that territory, okay? The olive trees that would have produced olive uh, uh, olives, okay? Uh, I don't know how high up they go, but probably not, uh, you know, to the top of Mount Ararat. They, you know, whatever level they uh, thrive at, they would have drowned. All the various trees would have drowned, and, uh, you know, c- common plants would have drowned. They would have had no oxygen or sun for five months, they would have all died, okay? So that territory would have been fairly desolate by the time the ark landed. Back to you. Chapter 8. And God remembered Noah and every living thing, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. Okay, so if they returned, and which means they had to flow downwards, <laughs> back into the ocean. That's where the water had to flow to. All right, and we have records in the Middle East, you know, it's, uh, the lower end of the Tigris and Euphrates re- River, where archaeologists have found eight-foot-thick layers of freshwater silt, Freshwater silt, because the water came up from the aquifer, okay? Eight feet thick, and above the, that, that uh, layer was a, you know, a, a habitation, and below that layer was a habitation. So that proves that this story is true. This really happened. Where does eight-foot layer of silt come from? Okay? Again, the Bible is true. We just don't understand it fully, and we can't give this stuff short shrift, as just about every theologian does. Okay, back to you. If they even discuss it at all. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, they don't do any word studies. 
Oh. Right? Okay. <clears throat> Verse 4. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Okay, and he so, stayed yet. So for six months now, the uh, there, there was so much water still that the dove had no place to land. Back to you. Verse 10. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. Do you think and maybe Noah, that, that dove found other doves <laughs> to stay sounds with? Sounds like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. In other words, start all over again. Yep. Start over. Yep. Yeah, without, without the uh, evil ones present. But we'll find First, out that they're still they're still around in Palestine. Yeah, back to you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They haven't been eliminated completely. Yeah, no, not completely. Verse 18, And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creeps upon the earth after their kind, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto Yahweh, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And Yahweh smelled a sweet savor, and Yahweh said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Okay, so End now, chapter eight. Yeah, now interestingly, it doesn't talk about day uh, and heat, cold, summer and winter because before the Noah's flood, you know, all, all of the commentators suggest that the earth was more like a greenhouse with a fairly common temperature worldwide. Even at the poles, it didn't get that cold, okay? Because if you have a cloud layer, you know, it's just like a, 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 a greenhouse that has plastic that's not 
totally clear. The less clear it is, the more it retains the heat you know, and doesn't let it loose. And if you've ever been in a greenhouse lately, you know how humid they are. Okay, they're just naturally humid because the the, the plants you know uh, exhale all of this uh, humidity. Okay, and plus you, you need to water them. So the earth was watered by a mist, as it says in the earlier chapters, and that's the way it was for, until Noah's flood. Back to you. Chapter nine. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Oh, sounds like Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> right. Sure does. Replenish. Okay. Fill again. Back to you. Verse 2. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moves upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God may he may, made he man. Okay, it's about time we get even with those Edomites, <laughs> right? Yeah, because they've been shedding our blood for six thousand years. We we have occasionally gotten even with them, but man, this time it's going to be unbelievable. Back to you, verse seven. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I okay. will establish... Yeah, now here, the your seed, of course, that's Zerah, meaning posterity children it can mean literal seed of plants and literal seed of humans but especially here this is noah who was perfect in his toledah with your offspring after you meaning your direct offspring those who have generated from your loins and no other people this this expression is repeated constantly throughout jo uh, throughout genesis noah Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc. Okay, that only the direct descendants of Noah here, Noah through Shem, and of course you know, there are other Noahites in those days, Ham and Japheth. They spread out across the world too. But again, we must stress that these people were not were white. They were not of multiple races, because that would violate the exact problem that the flood was caused for. Back to you. Verse 11, And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant 
between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Okay, but this is a separate covenant made with uh, promising to all creatures of planet earth that the earth will no longer be flooded in such a massive manner as happened then, okay? But the covenant of offspring, okay, it was made exclusively with Noah. The covenant, the token of the rainbow, and again, this is proof that uh, the atmosphere was totally different in those days. You have to have a, a half cloudy, half sunny atmosphere for a rainbow to happen, okay? Because the sun's rays must cut through the mist of the uh, the clouds that formed the rain, in order for a rainbow to appear, okay? So he's saying, well, we never had a rainbow before. Why? Because the atmosphere was completely different. Probably not having any direct sunlight on, on the planet at that point in time. Back to you. Verse 18. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Oh, he's a German. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a touch of Irish. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. And Ham. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, this is, again, uh, we're talking, this is the way, our husbandman. He was a farmer. A farmer. Yeah, he was yeah. a farmer, just like our people. Totally unlike Jews who don't farm. Back to you. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. Now, I want to make a comment here real quick. This is not talking about just seeing Noah naked. What happened here was actually in referenced in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11. And this uncovering your father's nakedness is incest is what it is. Right. That was yeah. the sin here. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, more than likely, both uh, Noah and his wife, Naama, which uh, her name is not given in Scripture. It's given in the book of Jasher, and I think also Enoch that uh, they were probably both naked, drunk and naked, <laughs> right? Yeah, hey, let's party. We finally you know, have a big party after after this uh, gigantic flood. So, uh, and that's what happened, okay? And, uh, well, maybe Ham got a little drunk too? Yep. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it here from Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11. Uh -huh. And the man that lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So, again, the sin here was incest with Ham yes. and his, his, uh, his mother. Yeah, no doubt. 
moved out. Now, it's interesting, well, was there any witness to this incest, <laughs> right? So uh, can you That's have right. a prosecution without witnesses? You uh, cannot. You, know, you cannot, all right? Canaan wasn't born yet, all right? But uh, who gets cursed here, Ham or Canaan? Let's keep reading here. That's right. Uh, verse, what was that? Verse 24. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. It's amazing how many commentaries you read on this episode, and they will say Ham was the one who was cursed. Nope, it was Canaan. And it was Canaan who was cursed. Okay. Even the, the rabbis of Judaism say that the curse of Ham was that they would turn, he would be turned black. He would become a Negro. Ham was not... Ridiculous. Yeah, of course it's ridiculous. This is what we have to put up with, folks. This is it's called theology. Ham was not cursed. It was Canaan who was cursed. Because and by this... skin was turned dark. That's <laughs> right. And it doesn't say it was. You have to make that up. And that's what they do. Okay, I think we can get the rest of Genesis 9 in here. All right, verse 26. And he said, Blessed be Yahweh God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. And all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Okay, so there's that very famous prophecy the Japheth, the descendants of Japheth, by enlarge here, it means God shall enlarge Japheth, and the household of Japheth shall be enlarged. You'll have a huge family. They'll scatter pretty much all over the north parts, north of Mesopotamia into Europe. That's where the vast majority of Japhethites settled. And then the Hamites went south and west toward Egypt and probably uh, you know, southern Arabia, etc., to the hotter territories. And the Shemites stayed in in Mesopotamia. That's that's how all this developed. And they were all white. You look at the archaeological record of all of these territories. You have nothing but white people, with maybe a smattering of non-whites. You got you know the Dravidians and the uh, Sumerians, who uh, appear to have been uh, a race mixed little people. Okay. But the vast majority of these empires, these early empires, were ruled over by Hammurabi, you know, the Assyrians. Uh, the uh, uh, Pastor Steve and I did a show about you know, where the Hungarians come from. Well, they were offspring of, you know, that uh, went north from uh, the Tower of Babel, okay? And they settled in uh, what we call today Hungary, okay? But they were more than likely Hamites who went north. So it's and those are white people. You go to Hungary today, uh, you see a lot of blue-eyed, you know, blue-eyed uh, blondes. That's what you see. Okay, so uh, the the <laughs> white people, the descendant from Noah. It's really obvious that they were all white. There are no other races, and uh, of course, the primarily are the Jews. And when we get into uh, chapter ten next week, we'll see that the seven sons of Japheth became the Gentiles. They're the non-Israelite Adamic people spoken of. <laughs> right. Yeah, so again, that's when we start encountering this crazy word Gentile, which uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to talk a little bit about that you know, to make sure people understand that uh, Gentile and nation uh, is basically the same word. You know, it's goy. 
and uh, the King James translators uh, play fast and loose with those two different definitions or two usages of the Hebrew word goy, and uh, they, they don't provide any justification for their language. Okay. So, sometimes they say Gentiles, sometimes yeah. they say nations. Right. Yeah, and uh, it's very, very unclear. Yeah. So if if Ham, uh, brother Abraham and both uh, Swamp Fox, if Ham or Canaan were black, then they'd be cursed. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, the Hamites created a great civilization, didn't they? The Pharaohs. The, uh, the King Tut had red hair and blue eyes. And his genetics was 99% Caucasian. What else do you need to know? You okay. wouldn't see that on TV, though, would you? No. They have him as being some dark skin. Yeah. Okay. Know, Egyptian, whatever. All right. So next week, uh, because our initial plan was to, at the last weekend of the month, to go into the New Testament and correlate you know, what we just read from the Old Testament with the New Testament. So next week, let's do... Matthew chapter 1, because okay. there's, there's tremendous correlation between Matthew chapter 1 and Genesis uh, 1 through 6, okay? And the, the, the bloodlines that we have just enunciated. Tremendous correlation there, okay? And also, there's a creation story in Matthew chapter 1, okay, that people forget about, okay? All right. So, yeah, Sounds and, good. Yeah, and, and, and fruits, uh, white man 14, what about all their fruits? They bear no good works or fruit. Uh, they'd be cursed, yeah. Who are those people? Well, the Hamites produced a great civilization. The Jews have never done so. They have always moved into the civilizations we create. I like parasites, like the parasites they are. All right, thank you, Brother Dan. Good thank show. You. Okay, and uh, so next week we will look forward to getting Matthew chapter 1. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Take care, everybody, and Yahweh bless. Thank mm-hmm. you.